So let me ask you all. Some of you will start, you students will start school on Wednesday morning, and you'll be sitting in that first period class, if you're a high school, it'll be 7.15, and you're gonna ask the question, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I not home sleeping? Some of you will go into the office tomorrow morning, you'll open up that email, and you'll see some bombs in your email, and you'll be like, why am I here? Why am I here? If we're all honest, we've asked ourselves that question many times. Why am I here? Whenever Rachel and I were young newlyweds, before we had kids, we were in, we were in college, and we attended a large church in, the, uh, in our, the town, our college town, and Rachel was the wedding coordinator. This college town had a lot of weddings, and we had a, lot of, a large college ministry in our church, and they would want to use the church facilities for a wedding. And so Rachel was the coordinator, not the planner. She was the coordinator. She coordinated with the church on behalf of the church with the wedding party. And as her very supportive husband, I was the janitor who had to come behind on Saturday evenings and make sure the church was ready for Sunday morning church after the wedding on Saturday evening. After watching my wife deal with all kinds of bridezillas and not-so-nice wedding parties on a Saturday evening and how gracious she was trying to make sure that the bride and the wedding party had everything they needed for the facilities, I asked myself the question many times at 11 o'clock on Saturday evening, why am I here? Why am I here? And maybe we, we can broaden this out just a little bit more. Of why are we on planet Earth? Why are we here? The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. The purpose of your life is far greater than your family, than your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why God placed you on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. That's why we were born. The search for purpose in life has puzzled people for thousands of years, asking that question that we started with today, why am I here? And it's puzzled many people because we typically be begin with the wrong starting point. And that wrong starting point is we begin with ourselves. We ask self-centered questions like, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals, my ambitions, my dreams for the future? And there, there's nothing wrong with those questions. Those are good questions to be asking, but those questions will not lead you to your purpose in life. By focusing on ourselves, we will never reveal our life's purpose. Contrary to what many popular books, movies, and seminars tell you, you won't discover your life's meaning by looking within yourself. You didn't create yourself, so there is no way you can tell yourself what you were created for. You cannot arrive at your life's purpose by starting with the focus on yourself. You must arrive by starting 
or beginning this question with God, your creator. You only exist because God wills that you exist. You were made by God and for God. And until we understand that, life will never make sense. Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. The great British philosopher slash atheist that lived in the latter part of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, his name was Bertrand Russell. And he made a statement. He said, unless you assume of God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. Man, what's, how dark is that? Unless he's essentially saying, unless you believe in a creator God, life's purpose is meaningless. And how can, can you imagine living your life with no meaning at all? There are many books that suggest ways to discover that the purpose of or the purpose of your life. All of them, there's big sections in the, of these types of books. If you go on Amazon today, or you walk in your your Barnes and Noble, or if you can find a bookstore today, you can walk in those. And these books will be classified as self-help books because they approach the subject from a self-centered point of view. Self-help books, even Christian ones, usually offer the same predictable steps to find your life's purpose. And it's things like this. Consider your dreams. Clarify your values. Set some goals. Figure out what you're good at. Aim high. Go for it. Be disciplined. Believe you can achieve your goals. Involve others. Never give up. And don't get me wrong. Many of these books, if you follow what they say, they will lead you to great success. They will. You can usually succeed in reaching a goal if you put your mind to it and you work hard to it. And these books can, can guide you in that. But being successful, listen to me, being successful and fulfilling your life's purpose are not the same issue. I'm going to say it again. Being successful and fulfilling your life's purpose are not the same issue. You could reach all of your personal goals become a raving success by the world's standards and still miss the purpose for which God created you. There was a story of Tom Brady. It was after, I think, his third or fourth Super Bowl. I can't remember which one that he had won with the New England Patriots. Now, let me set this up for you that are not football fans. Tom Brady is known, regarded as the greatest quarterback in the NFL at all time, of all time. Raving success. He's married to a supermodel. He's a multimillionaire. You'll see him on commercials even today. He is the top, the pinnacle of his career. And he made the statement one morning after waking up, after winning is either his third or fourth Super Bowl, he woke up, he sat at the end of his bed, and he made the statement of, is this all there is in life? Is this all there is in life? Being successful in life and finding life's purpose are not the same thing. So how then do we discover the purpose for which we were created for? We have two options. 
versus we can speculate. That is what most people choose. They theorize about life. Dr. Hugh Moorhead from Northeastern Illinois University, he asked this question, what is the meaning of life? And he asked multiple modern commentators, he wrote this book back in the 1980s, and philosophers, he asked 250 thinkers this question. And they gave a variety of answers. One of them, Joseph Heller, said he had no answer to the meaning of life, and he no longer wants to search for any. And almost all of them had some form of response like that to the answer of life's purpose. So we can speculate or we can look at Revelation. We can turn to what God has revealed about life in his word. The easiest way to discover the purpose of an invention is to ask the creator of it. The same is true for discovering your life's purpose. How do we know life's purpose? We ask God. We come to God. God has not left us in the dark to wonder and guess about life's purpose. He has clearly revealed his purpose for our lives through his word. It says in Ephesians 1.11, it says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And this verse gives us several insights into our purpose in life. You discover your identity and purpose through a relationship with Christ. We want to place our identity on so many other things in this life when really our identity as believers is found in the fact that we are followers of Christ. We are sons and daughters of God. Number two, God was thinking of you long before you ever thought about him. Long before you were even a thought in your parents' mind. God had a purpose for you. Back to the foundations of the world. He planned it before you existed. You may choose your career. You may choose your spouse, your hobbies, and many other parts of your life. But you do not get to choose your purpose. Your purpose has been determined by God. Number three, the purpose of your life fits into a much larger cosmic purpose that God has designed for eternity. And we're going to get to that purpose here in just a moment if you guys will hang with me. So I ask you again the question, why are we here? Why are we on this earth? Romans 11.36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Proverbs 16.4 says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose. The Lord has made us for himself. When a creator makes a creation, he has a purpose in mind for how that creation is to be used. When you think about the great inventors of days gone by, a man like Thomas Edison. It was Thomas Edison, the creator, who had the purpose in mind to create that light bulb. The creator determines the purpose for his creation. The creation doesn't get to tell the creator what it is. It's the creator determines the purpose for his creation. The ultimate goal for the universe is to show 
the glory of God. It is the reason that everything exists, including you and me. God made it all for his glory. Without God's glory, there would be nothing. So what is the glory of God? It is who God is. It is the essence of his nature, the weight of his importance, the radiance of his splendor, the demonstration of his power, the atmosphere of his presence. God's glory is the expression of his goodness in all his intrinsic, eternal qualities. So where is God's glory? Where is it? Just look around. Everything created by God reflects his glory. We see it everywhere from the smallest microscopic form of life to the vast Milky Way. We see God's glory. From the sunset and stars to the storms and seasons. Some of you all here in Florida love to get out at dusk and take pictures of the beautiful sunsets that we have in Florida. We in Florida have the ability to go over to the beach on the east coast and watch the rising sun on the horizon. We can go to the west coast and watch the sun go down over the water in the west coast. And we get to experience God's glory in that creation. Creation reveals our creator's glory. It says in Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Throughout history, God has revealed his glory to people in different settings. We see in scripture, he revealed his glory to people in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve experienced the glory of God in the Garden of Eden, then to Moses, then in the tabernacle, in the temple, then through Jesus, and now through the church, we are able to experience the glory of God. Scripture says that in heaven, God's glory provides all the light that is needed. We read a few weeks ago in Revelation 21, 23, it says, The city does not need the sun nor the moon to shine on it, for God, the glory of God, gives it light. God's glory is best seen in Jesus Christ. He, the light of the world that illuminates God's nature. Because of Jesus, we are no longer in the dark about what God is really like. It says in Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. So God's inherent glory is what Jesus possesses because he is God. It is his nature. And we are commanded to recognize the glory of God, to honor the glory of God, to declare his glory, to praise his glory, and here's where we come into play in this, to reflect his glory and to live for his glory. There's your purpose. We are here to live for the glory of God. The entire, in the entire universe, only two of God's creations fail to bring him glory. That were the angels that followed Satan, that were thrown out of heaven, and those are human beings that sin against God. Every time we sin against God, it's an attack on his glory. 
You see, all sin at its root is failing to give God glory. It is loving anything else more than God. It says in Romans 3.23, that famous scripture verse, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us have given God the full glory he deserves from our lives. This is the worst sin and the biggest mistake that we can make. On the other hand, living for God's glory is the greatest achievement we can accomplish with our lives. It says in Isaiah 43, 7, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. What did it say? Whom I created. We were created for the glory of God. The creator is telling the creation its purpose. That is our purpose in life, to bring God glory ought to be the supreme goal of our lives. So how can we bring glory to God? Let's break that down. How can we bring glory to God? This is where your purpose in life comes into play. If our purpose in life is to bring God glory, then how do we do that? This next week, we've talked about it. Students, going back to school. And here we've got middle school and high school students. You bring God glory in the way that you do your work. In the way that you strive for excellence in the classroom. God receives glory from that. When you do your homework, when you study for tests, and you try your hardest at school, you are fulfilling your purpose of bringing God glory. When you show respect to your teachers and to the administrators, you're on time to your class. All of those little things that seem insignificant, God is getting the glory. When you're on the ball field, playing softball or football or track or cross country, when you go out and you play that sport and you do it to the best of your ability and you give it your all every single practice and every single game, God gets the glory from your effort. Whenever you are in that classroom at 7.15 and you're missing your bed that you have been able to sleep in late all summer, and you're sitting in that classroom, if you're there with a terrible attitude and hating life, and everyone else around you sees that you're hating life, is God getting glory in that? No, he's not. No, he's not. The attitude by which we approach life, we can bring and give God glory. All right, adults, our parents that are sitting in here, when we head to work, Tomorrow morning, how do you bring God glory? You bring God glory by working hard for the allotted time that you are in the office, on the job site, in the classroom, wherever it is that you are at. You bring God glory by giving 
your all to your employer. God gets that glory. God gets glory by your boss looking at you as the best employee that he has because you are the hardest worker. Your company should want to hire Christians because every Christian they hire is a doggone hard worker. And God gets glory from that. God gets glory by us being good neighbors in the community. You should be the kind of person that everyone wants to live by because you're such a good neighbor. You're always there to help your neighbor in need. You're always kind, even though their fence may be an inch or two over on your side of the property line. The way you respond to that, you can give God glory. The way you're involved in your community, whether that's through neighborhood events or being involved in your school or being involved out on the ball field. You know, some of you in here are coaches for different small, for events, for soccer or Little League Baseball or whatever, and how you interact with those other coaches or referee or umpires or difficult parents is a way that you can bring God glory. Church, we are able to give God glory through our lives every week here through our worship, through our giving, through our volunteering here at church, through our relationship with God. How many of you this past week took some effort to learn more about God? Learn more about him in scripture. How many of you took time to open your word, the word of God this week, and read about him? Maybe you picked up a, an author that was writing a particular subject on God's word and said, you know what, I'm going to learn more about the holiness of God. I'm going to learn more about the forgiveness of God. How many of you are actively growing in your faith? When you do that, God receives the glory. How many of you took a time of prayer this week? Praying to God for the people in this room. Praying for each other. When we do that, when we humbly come before our God in an act of submission, we are saying, God, I can't do this unless you intervene. When we do that, God receives glory. Do everything to your best in life, and God receives the glory. Living the rest of your life for the glory of God will require a change in your priorities, your schedule, your relationships, everything. So I ask you the question as a believer in Jesus Christ, who are you going to live for? Are you going to live for yourself or are you going to live for God?
You may hesitate, wondering whether you will have the strength to live for God. Don't worry, God will give you what you need if you will just make the choice to live for Him. If you're not living life to God's glory, then you are just existing with no eternal, lasting purpose in life. What a terrible way to live life. We exist for the glory of God. And we should live all of life and everything that we do to bring Him.